Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a teaching by Rabbi Matt Shapiro. So depending on which uh, email or stage of our PR you read, uh, you, you're thinking this is either a sermon, an interactive sermon, an interactive teaching, or a teaching. And if you don't know the difference between those four things, that's a shame because I was hoping you could explain that to me. Um, I do know this is not a sermon. I believe Rabbi Klickfeld already spoke in Library Minion. Rabbi Schatz is probably about to start her sermon out on the field, and I won't be offended if you want to hear a sermon. What's the difference? I don't know, but I would say probably, at least based on what I'm going to do now, a, a teaching is a bit more texty. It's a bit more specific, right? Sometimes in our tradition we talk about bikiyut versus iyun, that bikiyut is when you go through large chunks of text quickly, and iyun is when you get really, really specific. Um, And my hope is also that this will be a bit more interactive. I'm going to teach for a little bit, but then I am going to open it up and ask you guys to participate. So that's, that's the plan. Sound okay? Too bad. You're already in here. Great. So, um... We have some source sheets that I'm going to uh, encourage people to follow along with. I think we, we definitely have enough for, for people, to, people to share one for every two of you. Um, if you don't know the person next to you, this will help you get to know them a little bit. The, the reason this is not a sermon is because in true Temple Beth Am, making things nice and simple for you on the High Holidays fashion, I gave my High Holiday sermon last week. Um, and for the one or two of you who might have missed it, I'll summarize it briefly. I talked about the Messiah. Yes, you're in the right place. I talked about the Messiah um, because I think it's a really important idea. We often gloss over or don't really get into what our tradition has to say about Mashiach, redemption, the Messiah. Because we might be uncomfortable with it, it might sound a little too Christian, it sounds like we've kind of given that to Orthodox groups, but it's all over our tradition. And the desire for redemption comes from a place of pain, from a place of longing, which I think we all can relate to, whether on a personal or familial or community or world-based level, or all four of those. And so I think it's important to try to reclaim that concept a bit and to see what it might have to offer us as we head into the year. The first uh, source on your page, it's funny, Jackie was just showing me she has a Rabbi Art Green book in her hand, and so good job, Jackie. This is a quote from Rabbi Art Green. Uh, In his uh, first work of systematic theology, Seek My Face, I'll say just before I get into this, I'm going to move through the teaching with relative rapidity because I want to make sure that we have time for folks to participate. And also, unlike a sermon, which I have out written word for word, this is a teaching which is a bit more improvisatory by nature. And so it's easy uh, for the time to get away from me. And it's the second day of Rosh Hashanah. And uh, I want to be sensitive to time. So I'm going to take us through the sources, and then we're going to open it up. Rabbi Art Green has this concept of redemption as a real anchor in his theology. And he 
talks about it at length, but I summarized it here. He says, in this messianic faith, describing Judaism, because we do, trust me when I say, it's all over our liturgy, it's all over our theology. You might not pay attention to it, but I can, uh, I can say with certainty that it's uh, consistent in our texts. In this messianic faith are embodied countless generations of Jewish hope, the refusal of Jews to give in to oppression and despair, our collective dream that this very imperfect world could yet be the site of divine redemption in all its glory. We collectively have a shared sense of what we hope the world can be. And this is something that anchors us and can hopefully also propel us forward. I'm being told to be louder, which is something that I am not often told, so I will do my best. How's this? Is this better? Great. Project, Shapiro. Okay. Art Green anchors this concept in this phrase, our collective dream. And so this got me thinking, what can we do if we play with this idea of dreams a little bit and how it anchors the concept of Messiah as well? Um, Show of hands, raise your hand if you know what a concordance is. Yes. You all went to at least one graduate-level Jewish studies class. Very good. A concordance is a book that contains... It's essentially a biblical index that lays out all the different places in the Tanakh, in our Bible, that a word or a root of a word appears. So I opened up my concordance, as I love to do. I'm not just being shticky. I love a good concordance. And the word in Hebrew for dream is... Chalom. Excellent. Very good. And so it's interesting to see the different places in Tanakh where this word or this root shows up. And there were a couple of surprising ones. And one of the surprising ones, you see uh, there the next source on your page, out of chapter 38 of Isaiah, telling the tale of when uh, King Hezekiah Chizkiahu was ill and then recovered, And so there's a a relatively long poem that he gives in gratitude um, for his being healed. And in the course of that poem, he says, My sovereign, for all that and despite it, my life breath is revived. You have restored me to health, is how it shows up in the translation. But if you look at it in the Hebrew, I bolded it, Vatachalimeni which would seem to indicate, based on how we usually think of that word, that you caused me to dream. But it actually says, you restored me to health. You caused me to heal and revived me. And I put Rashi on the page there for you that this is not just an idiosyncratic move by our friends at JPS. This is consistent with the rabbinic understanding of this verse, that the the root word of chalom, which we usually think means dream, is actually here anchoring a concept of healing. That the word for dream, in certain contexts, can also be the word for healing. There's a lot of places where dreams show up in the Tanakh, right? We can all think of a few. Pharaoh, Abraham, uh, Joseph. So they made a whole musical about it, right? There's a lot of places where dreams show up in our tradition, And one of the other famous ones is, of course, Jacob, Yaakov, as he's leaving his home in a a moment of real challenge and stress and strife. He has deceived his father. He is fleeing. He doesn't know where he's going. 
And what does he dream of? What does he dream of? As, as, as the rabbis say, a stairway to heaven. Right? There's a, a ladder, translated here, a stairway, with angels going up and down. And it's usually clear that that's a dream. But the Kedushat Levi, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak of Berdichev, makes a really interesting connection. He, he flips it around based on this concept of uh, the root of chalam as healing rather than dream. And he says the word by chalom, here riffing on that verse from Breshit, means to feel strengthened, which I don't know about you. When I've read that incident before, I've read it pretty straightforward as he dreamed. But no, the Kedushat Levi says, he felt strengthened. Just as in King Hezekiah's prayer, it means that the king emerged from his sickness, strengthened his capacity as a servant of the Lord. He needed strength. He was on the point of dying. And Jacob, too, at this point in his life, is also in need of chizuk of strengthening, so that the word vayachalom means that he became aware. In this moment, he's aware of getting stronger, and now he's at the beginning of his career as a servant of God and eventually as one of our patriarchs. So interpolating this idea of dreaming as being strengthened, it's not, oh, Jacob had a dream, and here was the dream, angels going up and down. It's he got stronger, and behold, there was this vision that he had. There's a lot to unpack here. I'm going to say one more thing on these verses, and then I'm going to move us forward into the last quote on the page, and then I'll open it up. It's interesting to note that both of these are occurring in moments of transition, at moments where things could really go one way or the other. Hezekiah is very, very sick. If you go into the text, he's very ill. He's on on death's door, and he manages to heal and get better. And Jacob, too, as I was saying, he's in this really fraught moment in his life, and yet somehow he is strengthened, and then he is able to move forward. This concept of dreams, I'll take it literally for just a moment, there is actual research, and I... I, synthesized it very, very briefly there at the bottom of the page. There's this whole article, Why Your Brain Needs to Dream, by Matthew Walker, who's a professor of neuroscience at uh, Berkeley. And research is showing in any number of ways that dreams are important for your physical health. It takes the sting out of difficult or even traumatic emotional episodes and can offer emotional resolution it can enhance creativity, and it can help with problem-solving any number of ways in which dreams are physically good for you. They help you with your physical health, with your mental health. We need dreams. And I would then extrapolate that out and make it a bit more uh, abstract to say that we individually and we collectively need to have our dreams for what the world can be for ourselves as individuals and for us as a community. Without our dreams, we are lacking. If we don't have a vision for what the world can be for ourselves and for, for all of us together, we are adrift. We can't really move forward unless we know what we're really walking towards. 
And so what I would invite you to think about, and here is where I will stop talking for a moment, since this is a teaching and not a sermon, as I said, is I would invite you to think about playing with this wordplay of dreams and healing. What healing do you need this year? And how can your dreams facilitate that healing? What healing do you need this year? And how can your dreams facilitate that healing? These are not rhetorical questions. I'm wondering, I know it's a big room. I know we've been in Shul a while the past two days. But I'm wondering if there's a brave soul or two, or maybe even three, who would be willing to share healing or dreams that they hope for in this year. I believe in you. We can do it. Interesting. Interesting. So for folks who didn't hear, and tell me if I got this right, you're saying, I have bad dreams, even nightmares, and they make it hard for me to sleep, and they, they stir up some, some angst and some anxiety for me, and I actually, that, that's not helping, that's making it feel worse. So there's a lot to get done. The to-do list is long and a little stressful. But through art, there's a way of, of moving through that challenge and, and finding some healing. Yeah? So you feel like you're at a stage now where the dreams are more neutral because you're, you're a bit... You're, you're, you're feeling like the, the dreams are not as fraught. You're a bit more comfortable in where you're at, so they don't feel as... Uh, that, that, that's bad or good. Or... Great. Okay. Thank you for sharing Let's get a couple more. Yeah. Well, taking dream less literally and considering it like a goal. Yeah. Um, I can see in a way you are ill if you don't pursue and fulfill that uh, ambition or goal if you're kind of in a state of emotional <laughs> health. So to become healthy kind of have to move toward realizing that, that dream, that goal, or ambition. It's interesting. So just to repeat for those who couldn't hear, saying that if, if, the, if things get kind of clogged up, it can cause us a sense of illness if we're not taking steps to actualize a dream. It actually, um, I wish I had it on the page. It made me think of that Langston Hughes poem, What Happens to a Dream Deferred. Folks know that. It's a beautiful poem. Look it up after Rosh Hashanah. And, and Langston Hughes plays with this idea of does a, does a dream like shrivel up in the sun like a raisin? Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so we have to act on that because otherwise it, it impacts us. We have to move towards our dreams. I see a couple of hands. Look at a couple more comments and then I'll wrap us up. Yeah, from way downtown. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, I won't, I won't uh, belabor quoting myself, but I talked about this a little bit last week, that there's always a dance right, between pushing ourselves forward right, and, and going as quickly as we can while also recognizing that change is gradual. Right? We can't do everything all at once, but we still have to do something. Right? We still have to figure out what those actions are, pick them up, and make them happen while also recognizing that dreams, big picture change, that happens incrementally over time. Um, we're still going to do Musaf. I'm going to say two quick things to wrap up. I want to respond because, Lori, I feel like your, your comment is still, still hanging a bit, and I want to address it, and then I'll, I'll close. I wonder, what is that? That's an interesting thing to find back there. Sure. Yeah. 
Why not? I, I dream of a world in which I know what that is. Um, um, it's interesting that you articulated the discomfort around dreams. Um, so I, I, I broke my fingers. These are two broken fingers. I didn't just wear this to look cool. These are two broken fingers. Um, I broke my fingers, um, it was about two months ago now. I'm left-handed, it's okay, we're, get, we're getting by. And the first couple of days were really hard. Not catastrophic, but they were tough. Cried, I can't do what I want to do. And then I actually, one morning, about two days in, what I did was I woke up and I wrote down all the things that were hard with my broken fingers. It was hard to type, it was hard to get dressed, it was hard to do this, it was hard to do that. And as soon as I did that, I felt better. There was something about articulating and naming what was painful and challenging that then made it actually easier, not painless, but easier to move forward. And so I wonder if sometimes, both literally and figuratively, if naming what's difficult can actually be helpful in moving forward, right? Sort of processing and moving through what's feeling challenging, right? We can't arrive at solutions to problems unless we have an accurate sense of what the problem is. So it's actually important to name what's painful and challenging, maybe, so that we can then move forward. And I'll just wrap up by saying, well, first of all, thank you for indulging in the experiment, whether you knew you were doing it or not, of having a teaching in this space of day two. It's been lovely learning with you. And what I'll close with is by saying, I'll, I'll go back to that quote at the top of the page. We are a part of a people that has known, as they say, a lot of tsaras over the years. And yet, somehow, we have managed to persevere and we have managed to not only survive but even thrive despite of, despite and, and even though we've, we've suffered a lot over time. And I think part of what messianism, thinking about what a redemptive world can look like, is when we hold that really near and dear to ourselves and we also each see that we individually can make the world what we want it to look like by taking those concrete incremental actions towards what we hope and know the world can be like. So what I want to push you towards and what I want to encourage you to do this year is to think about what those dreams of yours are and to come up with at least one concrete action that you can take on to bring the world one step, maybe even two steps closer to the world that we dream of, to the world that we know can be when we all take on this challenge and embrace it fully. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.